You are listening to a special edition iFanboy podcast on Son of Batman. It's not time to make a change. Just relax and take it easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know. Find a girl, settle down. If you want, you can marry. Look at me. I am old, but I'm happy. I was once like you are now. And I know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on. Hello, welcome to the Special Edition I Fanboy podcast on Son of Batman. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Yep. And rounding out the iFanboy brain trust is Ryan Haupt. I'm getting ready to help some stuff. It's going to happen. We are the iFanboy <laughs> animation brain trust. We come together to talk about uh, the DC Universe animated original films. Also, once by accident, we did a Marvel movie, which was a mistake. Yes. Uh, <laughs> This was the, or as I, I'm, I think, because I counted my DVDs before the show, the 20th release in the DC Universe animated original line of films, it's going back way back to 2008 or nine around there. It's been a long time. A lot of films, a lot of water under the bridge. This is an adaptation of Grant Morrison's Batman and Son storyline, the very first storyline he did. Way back when he started his run on Batman. Grant Morrison and Andy Kubert. Yeah. Yes, and it re- introduced, reintroduced Damien into the DC Universe. Damien, of course, was uh, conceived in the, uh, at the time, out of continuity story, Batman, Son of the Demon, conceived by Batman, Bruce Wayne and Talia, and then he was brought back by Grant Morrison. We'll get into the wider implications of that later. Um, so this is the second film that takes place in uh, uh, second third if you really want to count the end of flashpoint but the second film takes place in the new new 52 shared universe that they're doing for these films so we're also going to talk about that later um so this is a weird mix it's a it's a semi-sequel to justice league war um or at least it takes place within that continuity right same voice for batman same character design it's the same it's a pre-new 52 story taking place in a post-new 52 world (laughs) <laughs> same cast uh, or same principal actors as before as Paul just mentioned um, and uh, this was not a good movie no it wasn't this uh, made me really wish that we did riff tracks style <laughs> talkovers that people could listen to while they watch the movie because I think that that would help I think we have funny things we could say during it <sighs> that would improve the overall experience it was re- it was really not good and I you know anyone who listens to this show know we don't come on here and just gleefully rip these movies apart ever we usually quite like them in fact we all like justice league war when no one else did and we got a lot of shit for that but uh this was really bad and i just uh, in almost every way it was really this is a, this is a bad story i don't think there was much of a story to begin with it wasn't i was think i was watching it thinking about the batman under the red hood the last sort of batman and robin movie we had yeah. and how tightly plotted that was and how just wonderful it was. And this that was, was a really good one. That this was, was the exact favorites. opposite. And I think a, a lot of it starts with, well, the script is a problem. We'll get to that in a minute. The, the, the voice acting was pretty terrible. The Jason O'Mara was, I think, a fine Batman in the context of Justice League when he wasn't carrying the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But here, he, there's no emotion or emoting in his voice. And this is a really important Batman story to have a fully dimensional Batman. And Jason Mars is a really good actor. It just he, – he speaks like Bat-Robot 
and it's and it's the perfect counterpoint to Thomas Gibson's Deathstroke, who was even worse. That would, um, yeah, uh, Greg from Dharma and Greg, um, or from uh, Criminal Minds. Criminal apparently. Minds, right? Yeah, he um, and I couldn't place him as I was watching. So I had to look it up afterwards. But that is one of the worst vocal performances I've heard in any of these, or in really anything. Um, and part of it is the performance. Part of it, I think, the direction was just off. Like, which is strange because Andrew Romano is such a great voice director. It just seemed like but, a lot of it was just on autopilot, or like the or the actors were never in the same room, you know, working off each other. Right. So there was no chemistry. It just a lot of a lot, especially uh, the Deathstroke stuff, felt like he was doing a cold reading. It felt like it was a table read. They're just recording yeah. the table read because there was no actual acting going on. It was just reading of lines. Um, Ryan, what did you think of those two particularly? Uh, I, I, utterly forgettable. <laughs> I, I would say that the one voice I thought worked really well was Alfred. Yeah, there's a couple that worked well. I thought yeah. Sean Marr Maher's Nightwing was really good. The and problem I, I had with Nightwing was not the voice. The voice was fine, but they made Nightwing character act like his he was constant i mean i liked what they tried to do with it they tried to make him like constantly moving and very dynamic in relation to batman right but it just failed that he looked like he was either fidgeting or throwing his hands up in the air for no reason it just it didn't work did you guys like pick up on that at all i did not pick up on that on to be quite honest with you i my mind my attention wandered a lot during this movie I actually was pretty focused. Well, because you're, you're stuck I, in Panama and there's nothing else to do. <laughs> well, I think I think well, it's, I, would, I would refill my glass from time to time, <laughs> but I was pre I could do that without really looking away. I think that's I think that's part and parcel though with the whole thing about the characters just don't or and the actors don't feel like they're in sync with each other. Right. Um, you know, you have a really um, disengaged Batman. Um, just really kind of emotionless, colorless kind of performance, and then Sean Mayer's performance um, a little bit more lively. And I also thought that could Mar- make sense Marina for Karin for Talia was pretty good too. Um, I don't think she was great. But I thought the thing is when you were bouncing off these, it's it's what you like to call around FM offices the Clerks Two effect, hmm. which you put a real actor in the midst of a bunch of people who are not actors. That real actor looks even better by comparison. Uh, I thought, by comparison, Marina Bacarin's Talia was good, and so was the kid who played Robin, actually, uh, Damien Stewart. Yeah, he was he was fine, and the that was contrasted with the uh, ang- the bat man bats family. What's his real name? Uh, Kurt Langstrom. Kurt Langstrom. Yeah, Kurt Langstrom. He and his whole family were about as flat as. Which is strange because Xander Berkeley was Kurt Langstrom, and he's a really good actor too. I mean, it was just it was bizarre. And like you said, Paul, it sounded like they just recorded the table. Well, it's, it's a, you the know, first cold reading of these lines, they're, they're, like they were doing a podcast. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, a lot of a lot of great you know TV actors and everything, and some of them film actors. But um, voice acting is a completely different craft, and uh, and I think a lot of it really falls down to Andrea Romano doing voice direction, and it just seemed like it was on autopilot this time. Uh, this movie made me think of a lot of. Bigger issues. I don't know if we want to get into those now or later. Later, we got. Because, I got all right. Well, let's first. talk about the film, and then I'll talk about what I was really thinking about while I was watching. Okay. This. But um, so the story is somewhat related, although not really, to the original comic story. In the original comic story: uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne is in London to try to reconnect with his with his Batman is in London reconnect with his Bruce Wayne persona, and there he runs into the uh, Talia trying to get the Man Bat serum from Kirk Langstrom so she can inject her ninjas and she actually does and she fights a horde of, I don't know if you recall from back then but 
he was fighting those ninja bat- man bats. Yeah. It was all kind of fun and thrust buckling. And, well, and- it was it was an amazing sequence because Grant Morrison had it at a pop art gallery. Right. Yeah. And so the Biff Bam Pals were in the comic, but they were in there as physical art pieces that were scattered about during the fight. Right. Which it was, was really brilliant. great story. And, and then at the end, it's revealed that he had a son named Damien. That's the end of the story. Here, only the fact that there are man bats as well as Talia and her ninjas, that's really the, where the similarities end. Although she is trying to get the serum, it's basically uh, this part, Deathstroke is really the main villain for some reason. Did- you guys noticed that the opening sequence was completely ripped off from the Matrix? I did not notice that. There are music cues that are similar to the music cues from the Matrix. There is like there's a music cue where Rayshon Ghoul takes a stance, uh, you know, fighting stance. Oh yeah, yeah. And the music cue rises up, and I'm like, "That's the Matrix." And then a bullet shoots at him, and it goes bullet time, and he hits it away with his sword. I'm like, "Wow, they're stealing from the Matrix." And then the next the Matrix shot appears. is. The next shot is somebody in the helicopter with the Gatling gun. I'm like, oh, just like Morpheus in the Matrix. Huh. And then yeah, this it was, was, it was and, strange. And this one, Ra's al Ghul, Ray Shah Ghul, because they changed the way they say his name with every <laughs> every movie or whatever. Uh, he's sort of like a samurai in this one. But um, He's really old. He's really old. He's it was, extra I mean, there wasn't really a story. There was no need for Deathstroke to be there. Um, just, it was. I couldn't even tell you what the plot. There wasn't like there wasn't like an overall plot. Well, it seemed like what they were trying to like you know since this is part of a larger continuity now, and they're they're trying to set up this this new world in the films, and it not and not just have these sort of one offs. It seemed like they were setting up. Okay, now we're going to introduce the new Robin, and this is sort of what happens with it. There's there's no real arc here in terms of because I thought maybe they're going to try to do. You know, Bruce learning how to be a father. Like I thought and, that too. Yeah. And you know, but there's a whole sequence in here where Robin is off fighting Deathstroke and Batman's just hanging out in the Lazarus pool with, <laughs> with Talia. Talia. Just yeah. just sit her in there. You know how the Lazarus pool works, and then go help your son who's getting stabbed in both of his arms with katanas. Yeah, it was pretty, it, this was also one of the bloodier ones. It really is. It was really, really bloody. A lot of well, sword fighting and getting cut with swords. And Yeah. Uh, Slade has two eyes at the beginning of the movie. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, although apparently, Damien takes apparently care of um, you can be too hurt for the Lazarus pit, which I was never, never aware of. But it just is a lot of really – said. Uh, during uh, um, Judd Winnick's Jason Todd stuff, they mentioned, or I guess it was Jeff Loeb who wrote the original Hush, Jason Todd coming back. They mentioned that the reason they couldn't use the Lazarus Pit because Jason's head was bashed in. Mm, interesting. I remember that. Well, this uh, was, you know, this was. Well, Lazarus um, Pit doesn't follow any logical rules. I mean, let's just be honest. It's, I'm going to put science to it, damn it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lava over, that resurrects you. Yeah, the screenplay. While I bring home my lab and try to make bats. The screenplay for this was written by Joe R. Lansdale, who um, I, I know through prose novels, but he's also apparently has written a bunch of he, he, four or five episodes of the original Batman the Animated Series, and and you know some other stuff. He's written comics like Jonah Hex, um, and he has a martial arts background, so I, I guess that's where maybe a lot of the samurai stuff comes in, and a lot of sword play. Um, and maybe a little bit of the brutality because his, his pro style, he's known for, uh, splatter core, uh, right. just really bloody, gory kind of fiction. And this one, I mean, it, it's, it's PG 13. 
um, and it, it kind of pushes the envelope there. It's it's weird tonally because it's it's also I think probably the first Batman animated thing where someone said like sperm donor, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and that just kind of well, threw me off. Can we talk about that for a second? Because you know the DC movies have been I would say increasingly more violent, but yeah, the well, like- sexual stuff has always been kind of sidelined. You know, Wally West would make his comments about Wonder Woman or whatever. But in this, we have Batman not only called a sperm donor, but Talia basically admits to date raping him. Right. In yeah, front she of does. her kid. She, she totally does, yeah. yeah. She says, hey, I drugged you and then had sex with you, but it wasn't bad, right? And Batman kind of goes, nah, it was fine. And then, it's, and then she tries to have sex with him again. And Batman's like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood after you just told me to date rape me. And then she pulls back a curtain and Damien's right there. He's been standing there the whole time. Yeah, yeah it's a really weird movie. And not, not okay. Not, in a not good way. okay. I, I think Connor's at a point where it's like, it's not even worth analyzing because it was just such a mess. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I can't. I, I, I was nothing to hold on to here. Yeah. I didn't. There was no story. To, there was no tight plot to follow. The, the voice acting on the main character, two of the main characters was really bad. And there was just nothing to hang my hat on to try to enjoy. Ostensibly, well, it's can't. about drilling Lazarus fluid out of the North Sea, I think. They're, they're just off Scotland. Mm. And there's like pipes full of Lazarus stuff. And, and I don't know. Um, kind of a cool concept. But, Listen, but, they, but they, don't have the, the they don't really have the character arc. And so they to the point where I, I said the ending – where they're, you know, it's the the point where Damien has to decide whether he's going to go with his mother or if he's going to go with Batman. And mom is, you know, sailing away and he's there on the cliff with his father. And can I drive the Batmobile? And it's like they had no idea what to do there. Yeah. And so let's just let's just have a joke. And I, I call that it went to. Yeah, it just went to it went to the end credits. And it was like, woof. Woof. It, but- that was just rough. Yeah. Yeah, but it, neither of you guys have mentioned Killer Croc. Yeah, he was Killer Croc in the movie. He was in here twice. He got an upgrade with a tail that did not work like a crocodile tail. No, I've seen a crocodile. Not how the tail works. Doesn't wrap like that. Can't get ripped off that easily. Well, we got ripped off I, because it wasn't really his. It was growth. Listen, That's I can't it. turn off the helping. I have to help things. It's reticulated, right? That, and it shouldn't be reticulated. Uh, it should just be able to go back and forth, right? Like left and right. Yeah, it's for swimming propulsion, not for right. like grasping Grabbing things. things yeah. not like- they don't grab beakers and things, yeah. generally speaking. Um, oh, speaking of beakers, if you meet a scientist and he's brought his <laughs> entire laboratory home, that's a bad sign. Don't <laughs> trust that dude. It's a little Walter White. Like, we have we have labs at lab buildings for a reason. There's all kinds of infrastructure that goes into having lab building. If the guy is doing something where he feels the need to hide it in his basement, don't. Just well, run. Just you know, you're you're experimenting with serums that turn men into bat creatures. So I assume that's the kind of stuff you do at home. I don't, man. You could get a grant for that, though. Like, oh, you could definitely get a grant for the department. Does of he have a Does he have a modified bat wing at the end, and he's shooting syringes full of serum at the man bats? Yeah, I was like, at that point, I'd sort of like zoned out, and then I was like, wait, what am I watching? And it's, Can we also it's Kurt talk Langstrom about the bat, yeah. the man bat gorilla. Talk about the I just want to say to whoever's listening. Okay, so there at one point there is a, a a gorilla that has been given the man bat serum, which apparently works on non-mans. It works on any other animal essentially. So it's just a bat serum, is what it is. And uh, 
the the gorilla has wings that are entirely too small to lift a girl off the ground, but it flies, and that's fine. I actually don't mind that. What I want to say is that if anybody from DC is listening and you want me to write the Adventures of Batgirlla book, I will do that. And it'll be accurate? It'll be scientifically accurate? Oh, so scientifically accurate. It'll Yeah, Chiropter and Primate will fuse into what you won't even see the difference. It's going to be great. All right, let's talk about the sort of larger issues at play here, <laughs> uh, which, which do tie back into the film itself. But um, first of all, let's talk about Damien. Because it is this movie about Damien. It's called Son of Batman. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the main character. Uh, this movie reminded me that at one point Damien was one of my favorite characters in comics and I liked the interplay with him and Alfred when he first moves into the house. That's the high point of the movie. And I liked the interplay with him and Nightwing, which made me kind of wish they'd do a Batman Nightwing, but they wouldn't be able to do that in a continuity. We'll get to that in a second. But (laughs) I liked the interplay between those three characters and it reminded me how much I enjoyed that in the comics at that time. You know, for a while he was our favorite character. We We loved Grant Morrison's writing of him, he, he did a great job with the dynamic between Alfred and Dick Grayson and Damien. It was a really fun time. But then eventually, I did a complete 180 on Damien and realized just how much of a mistake it was to introduce him and how sort of toxic the character is because you can't get rid of him. He's, the, he's Bruce Wayne's son. You can't just write him off. He's, he's going to have to come back, and which he's in the process of doing now in the comics. And so which means... He's always going to be Robin until something major happens in the publishing side. And they, they wipe the slate clean again. But he's always going to be Robin. And that's very limiting to Batman as a character to have his biological son at his side. You can't really do anything that, to that character. It sort of becomes his, the whole story. Right. It changes you're Batman's fighting story. alongside your son and he's that young and he has that many issues, that is the story. That is what yep. your life is about. I didn't think it was possible to so critically injure the character of Batman, but Damien kind of does. And I'm watching this movie going, you know, I'm never, now that we've, now this sort of bleeds into the other issue is now, now that these movies are linked and they're the same continuity, not only are we stuck with these voice actors, so <laughs> that stroke shows up again, Thomas Gibson will be sure to read, read it without any inflection. But now Damien is Robin. Now they will, we'll never, or unless they decide to, go off script with these incontinuity movies. We're not going to ever get a Tim Drake Robin movie or a movie where he is Robin or a Dick Grayson movie where he is Robin. It's just we are now stuck with this status quo. And it's so limiting. It's so limiting. And so I didn't – it made me kind of annoyed that going forward – because I – you know, if you listen to our weekly podcast about the comics – none of us are super thrilled with DC right now. And Mm -hmm. so the one sort of outlet I had for these characters was these movies. I think that was that was one of the most refreshing and I don't know if it like I don't know if it's a decision but to you know from the beginning to do movies that were one-offs that right. weren't connected there you know there that is kind of a conscious choice that they're they're not going to be like the TV series that is a, that is a conscious choice it's not it's not yeah. yeah it's not even a continuation of Batman the animated series or Justice League Unlimited or anything like that it's they're their own thing, and they were able to do stylistic things with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't, but they were neat experiments. But now you're you're stuck with, with continuity, like that raises you know the the you know that raises the opportunities for the worst writers and creators involved, and it shackles the best writers and creators involved to the, the poor decisions. And so if you think about now Jason Amara's 
always going to be Batman. Uh, uh, you know, obviously there are real world considerations. He may decide he doesn't want to do it anymore. He's a human being. He's not a slave. He can walk away. But uh, you know, none of us liked Alan Tyduck as Superman. So that when they do the Superman movie next time, he's going to be a Superman. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what really kind of bummed me out while watching this. Not not only was it the movie I thought really bad, but I was like, if this is how it's going to be going forward, I'm I'm left with nothing with these characters. I got nothing left. At least every couple, three times a year, two times a year, I got these movies where, you know, the, the sort of fun was there and it was the stuff I remember loving. Now it's just like, I don't know what to do. This feels like such a huge shift, though, because as we said, we liked Justice League War for the most part. Yeah. But it's just sort of actually seeing it progress into another movie. When you drill you down realize, on the characters, when, when, it's just, when it's seven characters on the screen, they all have to share time. You don't really you don't really see Jason Amara's reading a Batman too much. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not really doing anything you notice, but now he's like, Oh no, this is, this is not a great, great choice. And then Alan isn't wasn't a great choice. And the characters we actually liked in war are never going to get their own movies, at least not right now. So I don't know. Ryan, am I nuts here? No, um, I don't know that it's as dire as, I mean, I hope, I, you know, I, I am an optimist, but I am an optimist, so I will say that I don't think it's as dire. What's the next one? Do we know already? The next one actually is out of continuity. It's <laughs> the uh, Batman Arkham City. It's the okay. movie that Arkham takes place in the video world. Yeah. So great. So you guys are full of shit, and uh, everything's fine. <laughs> That's what I said. Wouldn't be the first time. Listen, can we talk about Arkham? Can we talk about Arkham for a second? I love that they have, in, in this movie, I'm going back yeah. to the, the Batman and Son. They have a huge establishing shot of Arkham Asylum and cut to Killer Croc is chained to a wall. So I love it's like this is a treatment facility for people with mental disorders, but that guy's an asshole. So just let's chain him to a wall. Well, it's not that. All, I mean, if you if you recall, the, you know, you you know that the treatment of mentally ill in this country is not the best, and there's certainly facilities some somewhere that aren't going to be that far off. I mean, if you go if you go back to the the early 80s and, and Geraldo Rivera's reports of the, the barbaric conditions in, in the mental facilities in the, in the New York area. I mean, it's not that far off reality. We also it's don't have giant, like, alligator people. Like, so, I don't, know, yeah. I don't know how they would treat giant alligator people. Listen, better. Paul. Listen, you're north of the Mason-Dixon line. You don't know <laughs> what goes on, okay? I've lived in the south. I've lived in Appalachia. Some of those alligator people are friends of mine, so you just step good off. Good people. Look, they're good people. They're good um, people. They just, you know, eat a lot of meat, and that can make a man savage, according so to So it movie. just, it just, I don't know. I think the idea that now this is the world we're going forward really kind of bums me out. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to last if it doesn't work, right? I mean, like, do you, here's the thing. Oh, the, what defines you, work is sales. So it may not work for me creatively, but it may continue to sell, so that'll be the world going forward, you know? Yeah, but if the movies creatively aren't as good as we tend to agree that this one, I actually didn't hate this movie, if I'm being honest. Like, I... You know, as as you said, I'm limited in my outlets for entertainment. But you know, I sat through this and it was fine. But do you honestly think that the quality of this movie will affect sales? And the fact that, like, you know, I got to imagine there are people who listen to this podcast as their metric for whether or not they're going to buy the movie. And so we're essentially saying this wasn't good. We don't want to encourage what is happening in the direction that they're going. So we're essentially saying don't buy this movie so we can maybe vote with the dollar a little bit. Am I right? I guess. I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's, so all both of you listening. (laughs) 
I don't know. I'm really, I'm really curious to see how this one does. I mean, I don't know. We don't. All we have are these estimates that show up from this website that you know that no one knows how accurate they really are. They're probably not very accurate. But um, well, I can, I can say, I can say, you know, I, you know, when we first started doing these, I bought every one of them. Um, I've since, you know, sort of like sold some of them that I don't like as much. I've kept the ones that I like, but the past three or four, I've just rented them because uh, there's the trepidation that I'm not going to like it. And honestly, even the ones that I love a whole bunch, um, at the time I haven't revisited that often. So these are sort of rentals for me, but part of that is the fact that I feel like there's been diminishing returns lately. And there's I, less I chance that I'm going to like it the uh, first time. I recently rewatched just uh, Crisis on Two Earths. Which is one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. It is, it is. And I'm, I'm, uh, my fiancé has gotten really into Justice League, and so I wanted to, to actually insert that movie into the continuity where it's supposed to be, but wasn't because of network stuff. So. Right. Yeah, it's pretty. It, it, it tracks pretty closely, um, but uh, I don't. Know, I just it just it, because I was not at all engaged in this story, I started to think about it as a whole because I didn't care to think about what was happening on the screen, and that's sort of where I started going on this. Is I don't like the this particular world. I don't like this sidekick. I don't like these voice actors. You know, Batman's my favorite character. I was very. I know people complain, but I was always happy for a new Batman film. And, you know, now I'm not too excited because the guy that got playing Batman is a great actor otherwise, but not doing a good, great job with this character in the animated form. And so what do I, what do I have to look forward to? You know, that's what sort of bumming me out. Well, you can take solace in the fact that I'm going to help something now. Uh, fortunately, at the end of this movie, they like shortly after the movie ends, they'll all die because the way they escaped from the sub aqueous submarine base area uh, was not safe and they will probably all get the bend soon. The bends, yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. You can't, you can't just launch an escape pod and fire a rocket to the surface and survive. That's not how the human body works. So they're dead. It's okay. And gorillas also, their eyes don't stop glowing when they die. <laughs> he has like bright well, red I mean, glowing yeah. eyes and then they just flicker out. Poor, that's a fact. poor flying gorilla creature. That Paul, what are you, Paul, what are you? What are your thoughts on Damien as a character now? Even Damien though he's dead. A character now, um, well, he's, he's dead now, but he's clearly coming back. So, like, it's it's tough for me because as a kid, I grew up reading Batman and Robin comics, and then at a certain point, they just stopped having Batman and Robin team up. Yeah, and so you never really got Batman and Robin comics. Yeah. You know, Tim. Tim. When, <laughs> the entire time Tim was Robin, he barely ever teamed up with Batman. He did solo book, and he teamed up with the Teen Titans, and you rarely ever saw him in the Batman book. And I'll say I'm a Tim Drake guy. That's the, right. That's the Robin that was in when I started reading comics again as an adult. And so here, here's my thing, and this goes back to what we were talking about. I think Damien as a recurring character in an ongoing series doesn't work for all the reasons that you listed. Um, it's a character that works better if it were like a limited series kind of continuity. And it was in, um, we've, we've said that only, a, only a few writers, mostly Morrison. I'd also add Brian Q. Miller yeah. knew how to write that character and they wrote the character differently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Frankie Miller used him more for as a comedic character, and there's a little bit of tragedy to that. And uh, and then Morrison, it was Morrison wrote him as a, like a creator own character, right? And I think that's that's where Damien flourishes if it's just Morrison writing him. When it comes into the larger continuity, um, he's just the other Robin, and he's petulant. That's his character right. note, you know, yeah. and that diminishes the the potency of of that character. Um, so I wish he was just like a, I wish he was just like a, a one-off kind of thing. One context where I, I do like him and this is going to sound strange, but hopefully it makes some sort of sense. I really like the future. What if with Damien as Batman? Mm-hmm. So there was one, one issue of Batman. It was like, was it Batman 666? Yeah, did they, did they actually do that? Yeah. Uh, where it's, it's Damien as Batman. And I believe there were other future justice yeah, they- characters. One, I love a you gotta love a future story. But right. two, like seeing Damien having grown into it mm-hmm. worked for me. And so it's kind of like it's this awkward period where because he's essentially a ten year old kid in perpetuity, that's to me what makes it really difficult. And, and if you could move move him forward organically and so that he wasn't just a ten year old kid anymore, I think that, that would actually maybe work. And related to that, as I'm watching it, and, you know, you're seeing Batman and Robin on screen together. And again, just like the comics, you very rarely get a Batman and Robin story in the animated world either. He was hardly in the cartoons, Batman the Animated Series. He's in a little bit, but not, very, mm. not until later on, the later on um, uh, volumes or whatever, the seasons when they He was out of college for a bit. So. Right. Then they had Tim Drake and Batgirl. And that was a different story. But you, you, you and they brought in Nightwing. But but that's Nightwing. I'm talking about Robin. So you you didn't you know as a kid I grew up in all those '70s comics and '60s comics where he was it was Batman and Robin in every issue and and so it just bums me out that when I did get it it was Batman and Damien who is sort of worn out as a welcome because it is kind of a one note character. He's the petulant one, as you said, and and you know it's kind of like okay we read that for five years and. Now I'm kind of would rather have Tim or or someone else back, especially but. at the age that he is. Um, he's just left in this stasis of the awkward period, you know. Like he's right, right. and that's that's why I think you be better and, and grow yeah. him up. Yeah, if, and yeah. Tim, it's a Tim in Siberia because you know Dick is the first. He's the so he's Nightwing and he's the one who's always there. And if you look back on recent Batman stories in the comics, even especially in Snyder's run, you've got. You've got Dick Grayson in there, and you've got a little bit of Damien, but Tim is sort of in Siberia now. He's not really Robin. He's never really w- was Robin, according to this continuity. And right. you know, Jason's the one that failed and died. Tim's uh, Dick is the first, and Damien's the current one. If you're a Tim fan, you know he's he's basically been non-factored out of the story, all, all the stories, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. Because I liked Tim, even though Dick's my favorite. I still, I, I, you can take that, make that your little. And I like there being the two of the. You I, like Dick, but Tim's your favorite. Dick, Dick is um, my favorite. You can make that, make that your meme or whatever you want to do with that. But um, one thing I, one thing I did laugh at, and I kind of, I was unsure at the beginning of this movie. It wasn't even clear. Okay, are they going to make it so that Damien is the first Robin? Because that's weird, but I could see them going with it. And so I was, I was unclear. And then there's that scene where Batman tells Alfred that they're having a sleepover, which is weird for Batman to say in general. Right. Weird for but anyone to say does, at that age. But, well, Batman is kind of an overgrown child. Um, he is. But ba- yes. Batman doesn't specify if it's like a Vicky Vale, you right. know, Selena Kyle type sleepover, 
or if it's another Robin. Right. And I like that, you know, Alfred just assumes, okay, he's bringing home another small boy that he's going to make for Robin, <laughs> so I'll just go ahead and prepare the guest room. So it's like, this has clearly happened three or four times. Do I prepare the Robin guest room, bringing... or do I get the lubricants and whips out for the other kind of sleepover? Doesn't really and the special, the special bat suit. Right, so he doesn't know which one, which closet to raid for the sleepover. But um, exactly. I don't like that we never see the game room. Like we get introduced yeah. to the bedroom, and there is a game room down that way, but we never see it. So we never know what that is. I I like the idea of Alfred going and shopping for things that he thinks that like a ten year old boy would like. No, he <laughs> or it's like he all would. of Bruce's old stuff. So it's like a you know Atari and you know. It's not good. Well, apparently, at one, at one point, Twister. Damien's out in the yard Pause. slicing through the shrubbery with Bruce's grandfather's sword, which is a samurai which is, sword. Yeah, it's a katana. I was like, why does he have Well, I my grandfather the, had one because he got in the brought war. Brought one home, yeah. Yeah. I, was, I, I had that thought process. It was like, maybe he brought it back yeah, from but, the war, I but, guess. But, you know, so I'm doing Bruce's the math parents and... were killed before World War II for being. Anyway. I don't know. I just I, I hope everyone doesn't think we are spiraling, here, but it's just it was very disappointing for me on a lot of levels. I, I'm going to go harsher than Ryan said. I did not like it at all. Um, and it just it for me, what it did was it brought up a lot of issues I have with these lately that I've been sort of not happy about and haven't had a chance to talk about really in that just the d- general direction these are going in. So we'll Saying see. You don't like that Batman gets date raped. I don't like I didn't like him very much about this at all except for a couple of scenes. Um, and a couple of characterizations. I like the Alfred stuff. Yeah, the Alfred stuff was pretty great. All Although the moment, the moment where you know he's like, "Well, you only have one servant," and Batman's like, "He's not a servant. He's my friend," doesn't have the you know resonance that you want it to have because of the acting. Because of the acting, yeah. Well, not so, Alfred's you know, acting, even, like Batman. They should hug or something, right? They should have fist bumped. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know Batman's not a hugger, but come on. So uh, we will be back for the next one, which is Batman Arkham something. Guardians Arkham of the something. Galaxy. Arkham something. It's the film taking place in the video game world, which a game I've never played. Paul, you've played it, yes, right? Yes, they're good. So we'll talk about I have that. played it. It Ryan should be brutal it. and violent. Um, Perfect. So that's so probably like a, where it's Joker story. So that, that With makes sense. an excessive amount of Riddler. It's called Batman Assault on Arkham. Right. So we'll be back for that one. They have not announced the one after that yet, have they? I looked no. it up. They haven't done that yet. So that's that's unusual. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, go to the comments section of FMW.com. You can talk about the movie there. Out of this show, you'll uh, be able to tell us if we were wrong and dumb or if we were right on the money. I'm sure you could be right be and dumb. <laughs> Someone for both of those, or all of them in between. Um, tell us what you thought. If you liked, if you liked it, hey, cool. I'm awesome. I'm glad someone liked it. Ryan said he liked it, kind of. So yeah, there, there you, is if, its moments, you know. But. If you did like it, tell us why. It'd be interesting to see people's thoughts on that. And uh, in the meantime, we'll be back for the next animated film. The Brain Trust will be back. Paul and I'll be back, probably for X Men. We haven't decided about that yet, or who's going to do that show exactly. But uh, I can, I can do real movies too, Connor. Well, now that you're back in the United States with. You can be brought in for other stuff. Now we've we've just got, saying. Yeah. I don't know if I want to re- unleash Haupting on an X Men movie with time travel and oh, super but speed. And no, kinds of I I love stuff. the. I think the X Men are the least helpable of all the superhero <laughs> teams. There are mutants are a real thing, Paul. I know you have your issues with them from a eugenic level, but, but well, well, mutants maybe, are real. Maybe we'll reconvene the brain trust for that movie. We haven't decided yet. We'll let you know. Uh, so in the meantime, don't forget to check out our weekly podcast where me and Paul and Josh Flanagan talk about the week's books. All that's found at ifanboy.com. Until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan and Great White Sharks. Don't go that deep. Can we all just fist bump? Oh, I'd love to.
You know why? Because you're not my servant, Connor. (laughs) How can I try to explain? When I do, he turns away again. It's always been the same, the same old story. From the moment I could talk, I was ordered to listen. There's a way, and I know that I have to go.